Welcome back, Wildcats, to Wildcat Radio, the most interesting podcast in your face, covering Arizona football news, Arizona basketball news, and Arizona recruiting news. We are on a two-game win streak, and I am back, baby. I had to I had to grind in some of these elections and whatnot. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I, the, the bodies are buried somewhere. Uh, but I am back and ready to talk college football with uh, the only person that... I, I really trust to talk Washington State football because we've been watching this like he, he's he's been studying this like the Zabruder film or whatever. It's very exciting. The one and only Mr. Rob Bauer and the creator of the Beta Rank College Football Statistical Analysis available on WildcatRadioAZ.com. What's going on, Rob? Oh, I, I I would say I enjoyed the bye week, but I I mean I did enjoy the bye week, but uh, I ended up staying way uh, up way late last night anyway, watching that USC Cal debacle that I told everyone not to watch. Oh yeah, me too. It's totally inappropriate, <laughs> and my parents are in town for j- just for my son's birthday party, and of course it's like ten o'clock, and we're all watching SC Cal and just openly mocking both teams <laughs> not not a positive thing was said that entire like hour and a half of the second half that we watched it was it was exactly what we were promised and less it was beautiful it was ugly it was uh, incredible i'm surprised that clay helton hasn't been fired yet are you surprised uh, I, I I really think that Lynn Swan doesn't want to fire clay helton and he's sort of looking for reasons not to um I am a little surprised if only given that um, they do have the early signing period and if they did uh, want to fire Clay Helton and then maybe think of someone that is an, I mean, either a professional coach or, um, you know, someone that may be unemployed right now, uh, you know, and maybe they're not, maybe they only want to go after a college coach, but um, it, that early signing period does put a little more pressure on you to, to really get the, the, the hammer dropped. But um I feel like it's sort of a moot point. Like Notre Dame's going to drop the hammer on USC at home, and that should be that should be it for Clay Helton, unless he loses to UCLA this weekend. In which case, he's getting fired then. I could see a scenario where he's he's basically saying, "I know I really should fire him, but he he does owe me like two dinners at Morton's, and I can't gotta <laughs> gotta get those cashed in before I drop that shoe on him." So, uh, good lord! But this is not I mean, USC. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, I mean I think we talked about like it's a. You know, some of it is that USC. I think that they're aware of like their their quick trigger has has had you know negative effects on where they're at and how you know like firing both Steve Sarkeesian and Lane Kiffin midseason. <laughs> I don't know that put them in great positions. <laughs> Who doesn't like to have three coaches on the payroll that aren't actually coaching? And I certainly yeah. would appreciate that at the University of Arizona. We're already doing one. We can uh, hopefully we don't need a second one. Uh, but this is not a USC podcast. Of course, this is an Arizona podcast and. Very excited about this game. It looks like Khalil Tate will be 100% healthy. One would hope he has the bye week, obviously, to heal. In our game against Colorado, he was able to run the ball a little bit. Um, he didn't do it a ton, but when he did, he looked pretty good. He wasn't look like he was hobbling. We have J.J. Taylor on fire. This team looks like it's clicking. Our run defense is uh, fairly good, which really won't matter at all against uh, Washington State. But still, uh, it is there, and that's pretty exciting. What let, let's take let's kind of do a a third quarter break here and talk about Arizona and what has made this team better and fairly dangerous in this game at the Palouse. What are some of the factors that you take in when you're looking at this Arizona team as we move to Washington State? 
Well, the offense has really started to pick it up. I mean, they were uh, horrendous early in the year, um, and there was a lot of blame going around. Uh, some of it was uh, the fact that Khalil Tate was injured, and that was a big part of it. Um, some of it that was that I don't think that uh, Khalil Tate had quite grasped Noel Mazzoni's offense. Um, and Arizona also wasn't able to run the ball the way we've been able to see them run the ball. But they, they came out <clears> – <throat> in this most recent model run. Um, but I mean, really after the Colorado game, I mean, they're up to number 59 on offense, which is nowhere near the sort of stratospheric heights they reached last year. And maybe we were expecting this year, uh, but that's a big improvement from where they were sitting at, at, you know, their low point this season, which was somewhere in the nineties. Um, you know, this team has figured out how to run the ball pretty effectively. Uh, I mean, not just pretty effectively. I mean, it's some of it is that they've played, some bad defenses right in a row. Um, you know, Colorado has really fallen off down the stretch. Oregon's defense has been bad. Uh, and, you know, UCLA is no great shakes, but they started to really put it together. Uh, even with that, you know, like they, they didn't, they didn't pile it on bad defenses earlier in the season other than Oregon state. So, um, and, and Tate threw the ball pretty well against Colorado. Um, and that, that is a big step forward for this offense. Um, especially with, this Washington State team is is offense first. Um, they have a, ish, I mean, by Pac-12 standards, goodish defense for coming in at number sixty-nine. So nice. Um, yeah, <laughs> congrats on that, Washington State. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think if I mean if you were, I mean, if you were to list off the top things, is that it's Arizona suddenly able to really run the football, and they should be able to run the football in this game against Washington State, but. Let's- well, let's yeah. take a moment to look at just the general stats, and then let's dive into the beta rank numbers on Arizona, because I don't know if we've done a deep dive on Arizona this season in terms of the advanced statistics. But a couple things to highlight. So Khalil Tate, just on this season, 131 completions, 233 attempts. He's completing about 56% of his passes, which isn't which isn't good. I understand that. But 19-6 to 6 touchdown to interception rate, like, you know, as much as we've been complaining about him, this year and then obviously he's he's stepped it up the last couple times that he's played that you know i like i was surprised i kind of took a step back and go all right let's take a look at the actual stats and see where people are at so uh 19 touchdowns uh, as much as we've killed him only six picks those six picks looked awful every one of them looked just like a disaster yeah. but, <laughs> but you know six nonetheless looking at jj taylor you know he's averaging six yards a carry 1200 yards and six touchdowns like you had mentioned rob the fact that we've been able to run the ball gary brightwell behind him is averaging about five and a half yards a carry he's got about 500 yards on the season now he's banged up it'll be interesting to see if he ends up playing against uh, washington state at the palouse moving to the receivers we got sean poindexter with 622 yards and eight touchdowns not bad like that that's pretty good sean brown sean brown cracked the 500 yard mark with five touchdowns on uh so you know once we're able to throw the ball the offense starts moving let's see if we can do that against a like you said a uh okay Washington State defense. I'm actually a little bit higher on the, that defense. I don't know why. I've just watched them, and and I know like I know they're not they're not great, but I think they're fairly good. 
Uh, and I know 69 uh, is, is not as high as I think mentally just what they've been able to put together in the, the games that they've played. I just, for some reason, I just have in my mind that they're a better defense than they're showing. And I trust Tracy Clay's. So it'll be interesting to see this matchup and we'll dig into that, but let's stop there and go to the advanced stats on the offensive side. What does beta rank say about Arizona going into this game? I know we talked about the offensive side, but like we, I think you do track some other offensive statistics, right? Uh, I do. Um, let me pull those up real quick. So, uh, this Arizona team right now, they are they are able, as we talked about a little bit, like they are able to run the ball quite effectively. Um, a lot of actually, can we take a break here? I did not have these quite pulled up. Sure, and while, let me while, get these up. Yeah, while you do that, one of the things that is I would want to highlight is. So on our website, wildcatradioaz.com, we don't just have numbers for Arizona. And you go through, we have drive efficiency, play efficiency, explosiveness, both offense and defense, schedule strength, rush defense, rush like pa- passing defense. There's a ton of different statistics that we cover. And it's not just for Arizona. So if you were to go on the website and like it's the third link to the right, um, and basically it has every single team in the Pac-12 and every team, like, period. So if you're an Arizona fan that happens to like Notre Dame or we're interested to see what Texas is at, Rob has compiled, like, every single – I mean, it's crazy. It is really – take a deep dive. Take, like, 20 minutes to go to the site and just check out all of the stuff that we have. Um, and we also do what – what Rob's statistical model will match up to the two different teams. So Arizona playing Washington state, he has a radar graph and charts of, of where the deficiencies are of each team and he overlays them. So it's a really nice visual and the, the, uh, model even like spit out what it thinks the probability is of each team. So uh, definitely some really good stuff. And I'm not sure if we've actually taken the time to talk that in depth about it, but check it out. WildcatRadioAZ.com. Rob, do you have those numbers up? I do. Look at that. I just tap danced for a while. That was great. I'm proud of myself. I appreciate that. (laughs) So Arizona comes in, like I said, they're they're ranked at number 59 on offense right now. They are ranked at 115 in drive efficiency. And drive efficiency is a measure of controlling for, you know, whether you put up an explosive play or whether it was uh, an explosive drive where you averaged over seven and a half yards on that drive. Um, Controlling for your, whether you went three and out. Um, and controlling for uh, your your actual just me, you know sort of median yards for play, like did you put up points? And this is this is one of the most important metrics out there. Um, Arizona is doing better even despite the fact that they are still terrible in drive efficiency. And drive efficiency is a measure of like can you chain good plays together? Um, there are lots of teams like you can go and you know you'll still end up punting and you can average you know five six yards on a drive with one big play. Um, but did you turn those, you know, big plays into points? Did you put points on the board? Drive efficiency is a real measure of play calling. It's a measure of offensive efficiency teams with quarterbacks that, uh, have low completion rates often have low drive efficiency because low completion rates lead to, uh, often punting the football. So where Arizona makes this up is on play efficiency, uh, which is where they rank 28. Um, Arizona is a pretty effective team at running the football. They're ranked at number 46 at effective rush. Uh, and they're not half bad passing the football, considering how bad they started out the season coming in at ranked at number 64 right now. But they are also, they're, they're a pretty explosive offense. So they do put up big plays. And we have seen this lately. Like they rely on a lot of big plays, um, whether it be, you know, the, the rushing offense busting through. Khalil Tate does like to throw the deep ball quite often. Um, but they come in at number 25 there. 
But what Arizona does do well is they don't go three and out very often. Um, this is something they were not doing. They were not good at it all early in the season. Arizona went three and out a lot. Um, but they ranked number 31 in negative drive. So where Arizona could really improve is they often get moved the chains on that, on that first uh, set of downs. They need to keep the chains moving. They need to be more efficient. They need to um, be able to put up you know, more and more points and not just rely on big plays. But um, if you're going to rely on big plays, like they've, they've been pretty effective at that. So uh, what they is some big time negatives about this offense, though, is they <laughs> they rank at 112 uh, in red zone points per attempt. Um, which is not good at all. So some of this on is on Arizona sort of spotty kicking game, you know, but they, they definitely need to improve there. Like you can't Washington state is the number four ranked offense and beta rank. They're an excellent offense. We've, you and I have both watched a lot of Washington state this season. Uh, I am on the Gardner Minshew hype train. Um, if anybody gets first team all pack 12 quarterback and it's not Gardner Minshew, like something has gone radically wrong. Um, but Arizona, they're, they are pretty good. Like, they don't punt a ton, um, given how many drives they have. So they rank number 47th in punts. They don't, they, they're sort of middling at turning the ball over. They've gotten better at that from the beginning of the season. But Arizona doesn't start because the defense is, is still not great. They don't start out, Arizona's offense does not start out in great field position. Um, so they're often starting out, uh, they're ranked 104. Uh, in starting field position. So this is an offense that often faces long fields um, and has to use big plays to try to get down to, to put up points. So I guess if you were going to, you know, if you were going to try to diagnose, like how do you beat this Arizona offense? It's play discipline. Don't give up big plays, make them go the length of the field because it's something that they haven't shown that they've been able to do very well. I think that's super fair. And in addition to that, one of the things that the, I think the numbers highlight is that this offense has improved by leaps and bounds because of how yeah. terrible we were at the beginning of the year. Those numbers are reflected in these numbers. And one of the things, well, I'd say two things that your numbers do that I really like is that there's kind of a half-life on the older portions of the season. So the data is still in the model, but the but what BetaRank does is it basically um, gives – bonus credit i guess for how people are playing in within what like a two or three game span what would you what would you say would be a fair description of that well it's it's uh, I, I, the, like to get into like math dork term like i have a i have an exponential decay built in um and so like it weights games it has beta rank has a recency bias and and yeah it's like and like two to three games you still have very, very significant weight. And it's not that like the older games drop off at this point, the first game of the season still has relative to last week game, last week's game. So the most recent game still has about 47% of that weight. Um, but clearly like I care less how Arizona played at Houston than I cared how Arizona played against Colorado. Yeah. The other thing would be, you were talking about drive efficiency and play efficiency and Basically, the the end game, I think it was for drive efficiency, was did you score points? And I know that there are other models out there like the Bill Connolly's S&P that focuses more on how many yards you put up rather than how many yeah. points you put up. So that's one of the big differentiators. And I know I, I'm totally not being <laughs> – like I know I'm not describing this as well as I should, but that was something in my mind that when you look at the differences in the numbers that like – you know, different models put in different things. And I like the fact that you have to score points because this Washington state team last year put up a ton of yards, but couldn't score. And, and that was yeah. reflected uh, in your numbers.
numbers today. That was great. Hey, let's let's move to the defense here real fast because I think one of the interesting stories in general of the defense is the fact that we're we're getting pressure on the quarterback. And this will be interesting in our game against Washington State because Minshew gets the ball out quickly. But when you look at tackles for loss. At the beginning of the year, if you were to tell me who would have been in the top three, I would have probably said Colin Schooler, Tony Fields, and probably one of our safeties. And certainly Colin Schooler is a dirty, dirty man. I mean, 19 yeah. tackles for a loss. He is incredible. With that said, below him is J.B. Brown and P.J. Johnson with six and a half uh, tackles for a loss. And those are our big guys. I mean, that that is really exciting if you're an Arizona fan. What what other statistics would you point to from the beta rank model uh, in regards to our defense and how we've improved? Well, one of the major things of, of last season, and Arizona's defense finished ranked 116 last season, which is very, very bad. Um, right now they've been, they've been bouncing around, but they're sort of mean of where they've been bouncing around is where they're about now, which is number 73, which is actually a huge improvement. Um, and sort of where I said, I thought Marcel Yates might have to end up, uh, in order to keep his job. What they have not improved on is as we talked about with, uh, Arizona's ranking on drive efficiency for offense, Arizona's defense struggles to get off the field. They rank number 119 in drive efficiency. So you can, uh, even without putting up massive yards per play against this Arizona defense, uh, you can drive the length of the field against them. They do struggle um, at getting off the field and, and keeping you from moving the sticks. So that's something that this defense could definitely improve on. But what they've massively improved on off last year is containing explosive plays. Um, so they're ranked number 57. And again, that's not great uh, in the model, but being ranked at 57 versus where they were last year on explosive plays, which I think was about 110, um, that's a huge improvement. I mean, Arizona just gives up far, far fewer big plays than they used to. And a lot of this is what you talked about, that um, Arizona has been able to get pressure on the quarterback more consistently so that you're not just sitting there, you know, that you're not sitting there as a, as, and asking your secondary to cover for five, six seconds and things like that while the quarterback has all the time in the world. So Arizona has been able to get far more consistent pressure with their front, you know, their front four rushing. Um, I mean, they have three down linemen, but they're almost always sending a rush linebacker um and they've that's that's made a, a very big difference in any time where you know like you could always say for the very bad rich rodriguez defenses and uh you know last year was no exception but this is true of any defense if your safeties have a lot of tackles for a loss or just a lot of tackles like you're in trouble um and the fact that Arizona's defensive line is now stepping in and getting more of those tackles is a huge win for Arizona. Um, and you could almost even say that Tony Fields is not having the kind of year he had last year. Some of that may be the defensive lines playing a bit better. A couple really important items to hit before we get into the full breakdown. First, your thoughts on the Gardner Minshew puppy video. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's, I just, Wow. I mean, like Gardner Minshew uh, is basically my favorite quarterback to watch on any given Saturday. Um, I mean, I, I realize like if you if you just want to watch like pure, like demonic, like hyper confidence, like you can go watch Alabama and do <laughs> at least once watch Alabama uh, this season because they're ungodly good at everything. But uh, watching Minshew operate this um, Washington State offense is really just a thing of beauty because in a lot of ways, like this isn't a fundamentally different 
offensive unit than they had last year. Uh, it's just they have a different quarterback operating it, and he's he's really running the system quite well and distributing the ball around. I mean, I think some of the, you could argue some of the receivers have step, really stepped up this year versus last year, but their offensive line is not amazing. He just gets the ball out. Um, but yes, yeah, sorry. So I got away from the video, like the Gardner Minshew pup, puppy video where he's wearing sunglasses and it has the American flag in the background. Like, <laughs> this is so good. I mean, if you didn't see the video where he went and put a mustache on Mike Leach. After <laughs> yeah, that was, that was going to be my other question. Interview, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like Gardner Minshew, uh, I just, I really think the Pac-12 networks, if he does, if Gardner Minshew does not get drafted and does not decide to go into coaching, like, I just think Pac-12 networks should just, like, give him his own, like, zany prank show where he just goes around pranking people in the Pac-12 next year. I'm you in. got zoinks! Like, I'm sold. Like, just, right. Like, ridiculous. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So, I mean... It is such a cool story. They talk about it over and over, and they will on this game. I mean, the fact that he was going to be a walk-on and learn the offense at Alabama, and Mike Leach just straight up cold calls him and says, how would you like to lead the country in yardage? And I really like the way that Mike Leach recruits. I think that he finds excellent players for the most part. Um, certainly at wide receiver, uh, he finds running backs that fit in his system. And the fact that he found this East Carolina guy that had like 56% completion rate and just, you know, I forget, I want to go back and look at his stats, but like 20 touchdowns to 15 interceptions or something, his numbers weren't impressive. And for Mike Leach to see that and say, that's a guy that I can turn into a star. That is incredible. And so I just soak it. I know this is an Arizona podcast. I'm an Arizona fan. I hope we beat the crap out of them. But I also really like stories where you have somebody that just got plucked out of nowhere and is now in the contention to be a Heisman Trophy winner. It is really insane. 3,800 yards, 29 touchdowns, and seven interceptions. This is going to be a major challenge for Arizona's defense, particularly its secondary the one thing that I want to say before we really dive into this is I do think that Mike Leach is due for a brain fart game. He has not had one yet. <laughs> like this. You say that every week. I do. I do. And he keeps not doing it. It's beautiful. Uh, I, it, particularly with this Arizona team though, like, cause if you have a Khalil Tate that all of a sudden starts running, how do you prepare for that? If you're a Washington state defense, it really does change the dynamic of how this Arizona offense functions. But let's start Rob by focusing on Gardner. Minshew and in the pressure he's going to put on our secondary because one of the problems is even though our uh, our defensive line can get pressure on most quarterbacks like you mentioned he gets the ball out and how dangerous is that uh, for a team whose secondary is kind of getting its feet wet still but we're not quite sure what it is what you really have to do with Washington State is you have to make the you have to make the tackle I mean I realize this is true across a lot of defenses but what they're going to be trying to do and what Minshew is going to do is he's going to get the ball to a man who may be in single coverage um, or maybe in limited space, but is open enough. Uh, and they're, they're, the offense is generally designed to, to make one man miss. I mean, yes, they will throw some deep routes. They'll throw some bends. They'll throw some fun routes out there. Uh, and Minshew sort of struggled in some very, very, you know, kind of some crosswinds that were at Folsom Field uh, early in that first half uh, against Colorado, but kind of figured it out and went to a lot of shorter stuff afterwards. But they, he will throw uncork some good deep balls, and, and particularly they will throw uh, over the middle if, if the safeties have, uh, are not in the right position. But 
this is I'm going to throw across, you know, a crossing route, um, you know, and just expect the wide receiver to make a miss. I'm going to throw a, a you know bubble screen out there and leave one defender unblocked. Um, and, you know, it's the wide receiver's job to make that guy miss and they're going to pick up yards. And you may make the tackle, you know, you know, 60 percent of the time, you know, they're torching you for yards and they're, they're at least picking up three or four yards you know, every time that when you're making the tackle, if you miss the tackle, it's, you know, it's 15, 20 yards a pop. Um, you know, so you're, it's going to put pressure on your, um, defense because they're spreading you out and they will, you know, there's, this is, this is my favorite Mike Leach thing of all time. Actually, they don't call run plays. <laughs> so <laughs> if you don't know this, like we talk about this a lot on the pad, the 12 pack radio that we do. Um, they only check down into run plays if they like what the defense is giving them. So they're going to spread you out. And if you spread out too much and, you know, leave, leave the, you know, defensive front wide open, like they will check down into a run. Um, so he, he does that very smartly. They, they hardly run the ball because he's so effective, but uh, when they do, like they tend to gash you. It's one of the things that's going to be so frustrating as we watch this game as Arizona fans is that, we're going to get like J.B. Brown or somebody or like P.J. Johnson is going to get close. And Minshew's just going to throw a little five-yard dink and dunk pass. And it's going to put pressure on our, like you mentioned, our linebackers, our secondary players, our cornerbacks. You're just going to go, ah, like it will make you tear your hair out if he's on. And he's almost always been on. It'll be interesting to see if there's any way that Yates can plan for this because this is a terrible matchup for Arizona's defense. When we talk about our secondaries, we talk about like Scotty Young not being in the places that he needs to be. And who's the other, uh, Whitaker being out of, out of position. And you just go like, ah, like what are they going to do against players like Desmond Pateman, who's 6'4", and uh, Tay Martin, who's 6'4", and these f- really fast guys like Aesop Winston and uh, Kyle Sweet. There there are lots of very good wide receivers on this team, and it is a nightmare matchup, I think, for Arizona because our strength has been our run defense, and they're going to run the ball like 12 times this game. So it'll. I'm, what, do you, what would you do? If you're our defensive coordinator and you're trying to, to game plan around this when our strength isn't the secondary. Yes, the safeties have gotten a lot of um, interceptions as of late, but I would I would argue that the majority of those were bad throws rather than really good plays by our second. I mean, shouts to our secondary for catching them, because how many times have you seen a safety like, <laughs> yeah. you know, just it hits them in the face? You're like, oh, my gosh, that's why you're on. The, that's why you're on defense right now. But so we're actually catching them. But. You know, we're playing against Brandon McIlwain and uh, UCLA's offense. And like, I, I don't think we had an interception against Steven Montez. Maybe we had one. But when we play against good quarterbacks, I, I would like to go back and take a look at the stats to see if we actually caused any turnovers on our end that weren't forced. It was more just bad throws. So how, how does Yates prepare for this offense? No, I mean, I, so some of this is yes, Beth. I mean, I would say in that Oregon game, um, although I'm probably a bigger critic of Justin Herbert than a lot of people, um, Yates did confuse Herbert with his yeah, coverage change-ups. And, and Herbert made some, I mean, mind-numbingly stupid throws. <laughs> but um, he just clearly didn't see, you know, the defenders that Yates had, had left there. Um, what I would what I would say, though, with Arizona is, like, you're just, you have to continue to, change up what you're doing like you can't just stay in like arizona i think 
in switching to zone um, against Oregon and really, you know, forcing I mean, Oregon was trying to throw to catch up, but really in that second half and Arizona was switching up the zones that they were throwing at Herbert. Herbert really struggled. I don't think Minshew is going to have that level of struggle. He is too experienced of a guy, too smart of a, a passer. Um, so you're going to have to do some swaps between man uh, and zone. Uh, you're going to have to keep him guessing. You are going to have to still blitz, even if you know that he is likely to get the ball out quickly in some cases. I mean, to you the hope right player, too. That's the right. Thing yeah. With him, yeah. Um, I mean, you're going to hope that they don't have like the perfect play calling, like you're, you know, you're blitzing the corner and like they run like a, a tunnel screen or something like that. And you just left it wide open. But like you are you are going to have to, to commit to bringing that extra pressure because USC did do that in the, in the game that they lost. USC generally made who um, USC also has quietly one of the guys that is putting up an all-american season and Inman marshall um in that game and he had a phenomenal game shutting down t martin tay martin but usc also got pressure on Minshew. i mean Minshew was left looking uh and arizona's secondary is nothing uh like usc's and being able to perhaps shut down washington state's uh wide receivers but yeah, you're going to have to try to get some pressure um, and you're going to have to hope that you can get there with, you know, maybe four guys sometimes. But Washington State has generally lit up the bad defenses that they face. And, you know, they've had some I mean, last week's first half was sort of a brain fart game, but it was really if you saw it like neither quarterback could throw deep. Um, yet they kept trying to because it was open. Um, and I think. I'd be surprised if, I mean, unless there's some horrendously bad weather, which, I mean, I guess if you're Arizona, like pray for horrendous weather in the blues, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, they're going to, they're going to have a tough time in this game. And it's, you're just, you know, like play disciplined, make that first tackle. If you make that first tackle, it's sort of like what, when Oregon had a Stanford problem, you know, like it was that Stanford was, you know, a couple years back against Chip Kelly's offenses is that they were designed to, you know, you, if one guy missed a tackle, you know, the guy was gone and Stanford almost always made that tackle. So, um, I would say that, but I mean, if you, you've watched as much Minshew as I have this season, <laughs> um, you know, do you think, I mean, there's nothing that jumps out at me as a weakness. Is there anything that really jumps out at you? I mean, even when he's had bad games, I don't, there's nothing that's like particularly stuck out to me about it. I think we have a chance in this game because of our offense. I think yeah. this is if we, if Arizona wins, it's going to be 45, 40 or something crazy. Like they won't be able to stop Tate and we won't be able to stop Minshew and it will be beautiful. Like this will be a really fun game if Arizona keeps it competitive. So I don't know. Like I am, I'm not the best at uh, defensive strategy. Like I can kind of see, oh, they're doing this, they're doing this, but I don't know what you do with him because he is so effective. And like I 100% agree with you in the sense that uh, even if Yates starts putting pressure on him, he's going to get the ball out quickly. It's one of the things that he does really well, and he can throw deep. And they have six four wide receivers, two of them, and they yeah. have fast wide receivers, two of them that can do those little cross yeah. routes and just go. So this is a an incredibly dangerous defense, and it's an awful awful matchup for Arizona on that front. With that said, let's flip this on its head and talk about how Arizona can win this game because I think they can. 
Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I still have to like James Williams, like as much as you focus on like, oh my gosh, like their wide receivers are so good. James Williams is a phenomenal receiving running back and he's good if you leave him in a blitz for protection too. Oh, absolutely. Like, <laughs> and, and like they, they consider a swing pass a run play. Like, so he's going to catch yeah. the ball like 10, 10 times this game or something. Yeah. I'm totally with you. That's a really good point. And, and he is quite good at that. And, and by the way, Leach only recruits running backs that can catch the ball. So yet another thing that this Arizona team is going to have to focus on when it's uh, doing its game plan. So, but let's flip it to uh, our offense and how we can win this game. I do think that there's a chance of this. The spread is 10 and I'm curious to see what beta rank thinks of this. And I'm curious to see what you think of it, but let's do it at the end and kind of talk about where Arizona fans can be optimistic about this game. And I think that's the sense that we can move this football. And like you mentioned, Rob, their defense isn't super great. The Washington state defense, do you have their beta rank number? pulled up if not i can tap dance a little bit more while you do that again no so like washington state's defense they are they're good ish they've been they played a little better than expected and i think you know when we talk about this year you know they're we didn't have maybe the highest expectations of them um because they had so much turnover on their staff clays has been good but they're they they've not lived up like they're nowhere near where they were last year um so this defense right now they rank number 99 in drive efficiency. So this is definitely a defense that, you know, like if if you can, you can drive the length of the field on these guys. And they, they sort of rely on, you know, being able to maybe get in and put you in a third and very long on a, on a lucky pressure play. Their, uh, their corners are not good. <laughs> um, they get a lot of pass interference. They're kind of small. Um, they've struggled against bigger wide receivers. Um, so if, if there is a Sean point extra breakout game, like this is it. Yeah. Um, but they are, they are pretty good at, at play efficiency. So they rank number 36, so they don't give up like a tremendous yards per play number. So this is something that like where my model would differ quite wildly from like a yards based model. Um, and my model is like a mixture model that combines yards and points. Um, and they contain explosive drives. So Washington State's entire design is like we are going to like make you go the length of the field. Unfortunately for them, they have mostly let teams go the length of the field. So if you're Arizona, this is this may seem like more of a challenge because you are so reliant on explosive plays and you haven't generally, you know, put together long drives. So Arizona may have to put together some longer drives in this game. What's, what's uh, their what's their rush defense rank here? Oh, I knew you were going to ask me that. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, well, the reason, as you look at it, I mean, the reason is we have, I'm curious to see if Gary Brightwell comes back into the game, but I do, I do know. And look, we've dumped on JJ Taylor. Yeah, we've, we've dumped on JJ Taylor for a while, but he has legitimately become a, a solid, okay. I mean, like he's leading the, the conference in yards or he's one of the top three guys. I mean, that's yeah. pretty insane that a guy that that's, and I look like we've been criticized for saying, Oh, he's small. Like, but he is like, I can't, like I'm sorry. Like, you know, my son's going to be like five, five, you know, like it's, it's okay to be right. small. Uh, what, what we're trying to say is that those types of players can get beat up, particularly if they're not super beefy, like a Keola Antolin or something, you know, like he was small, but his, if you looked at his legs, you're like, Holy Moses, his leg is literally the size of my car. That's not the case with JJ Taylor. He's somebody that has to hop around and he's taken punishment. Like it's been really impressive to watch him play. And this, this was what Rick Powell was so excited about a couple of years ago when we were talking about him. So he's really coming to that position. And I think, 
yes, we're going to have to throw the ball, but if we can, like you're saying, if we can sustain drives, I think that's going to be predicated on our run game, which is kind of why I was asking what the beta rank numbers were. Yeah, so Washington State comes in at number 63 against the run, um, and they're 71 against the pass. And like I said, like they've, they've got some smaller corners that have struggled, I think, against the pass this season. Um, the strength of their their run defense is their, their linebackers. Puller has just had a, had a banner year um, up there for them. But they're, they, nobody nobody's really put pressure on them running the football though like that's a, if you think of the, even their games that have been close um you know stanford stanford just hasn't been able to run the ball this season um sc's Oregon, running game is a mess yeah yeah sc's running game is a mess like that game was won because uh jt daniels played 500 against washington state smaller corners i mean he was just throwing jump balls up um oregon kind of ran the ball but they gave up on it. And like when they came back, it was just, you know, Herbert had a pretty decent second half. Um, like no one's really come in and tried to run the ball right at these guys. <laughs> I mean, Oregon state kind of did actually with Jefferson. Um, and they kept it close in, in for parts of that game. I mean, we thought that was going to, like I had picked Washington state and I was like, Oh my God, this is going to be the brain fart game. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then they kind of pulled away. Uh, but you're, you know, I don't know that they really, they haven't been great against the run, but nobody has really committed to running the football against them. And, and, and the tough part is, is like their offense is so good. It just puts you in a bind. Like you end up having to throw the ball because you're all of a sudden two scores down. Yeah. It, I really want to pick Arizona in this game. And like, I've been so wrong in Arizona, basically every game, like the game analysis has been good, but the actual like result of the game has been different. It's just tough because like, I could see a scenario where J.J. Taylor goes nuts and you have the addition of Khalil Tate just running all over the field and Washington State can't stop him. But when you switch over to the passing game and if Washington State plays to its strengths, which is, you know, not giving up the big plays, that's going to put a lot of pressure on Tate. And I don't like Tate feeling like he has pressure on him because that Tate throws the ball down the field 20 times a game and misses by five yards. And that makes me super nervous. I mean, Tate's completion. I mean, that's the tough thing on this. There is like Arizona has to be able to run the football effectively in this game because Tate's completion percentage isn't there to where you can count on him to carry you passing the football. Like you're just going to have too many, you know, third downs where you don't convert with a completion percentage like his. Um, that's what would give gives me a lot of pause in this game because even if Tate's, and I would expect Tate to be sort of fully healthy in this game um you know in i and i don't think this is a necessarily a noel mazzoni choice you know like mazzoni's gonna let like mazzoni ran you know hunley 10 times a game he ran trevor knight 10 times a game um we've never seen khalil tate in this current year run the ball 10 times a game you think he does Uh, that though i bet he i mean like this is the game right like this is the game to do it (laughs) I mean, unless you're saving it for ASU, I don't know why you would be, um, you know, like I, this is the game to do it because if you like, that is the place where you could put up just huge plays against this defense. So this defense last year actually had a pretty good game plan against Khalil Tate in that game. They just had eight 
bad plays and they were horrendous bad plays um where they gave up i mean almost a touchdown on every one of them <laughs> yeah that was nuts and i was going nuts in that game because i thought there really wasn't an opportunity for us to take it i think there is in this game i really do but it's going to require tate to make good decisions because our wide receivers will match up well against the secondary like you mentioned their corners aren't excellent their secondaries are their uh, safety players are okay we can run the ball against them but at the end of the day the other thing that bothers me is that it's going to be 30 degrees in Pullman <laughs> and so I, I went to the Oregon game with Dax and Rick Rick DeNice last year and it matters man particularly for this team <laughs> I know we've been playing some uh, some late night games in Tucson but it will not be as cold as in Pullman and our wide receivers just had stone hands for the first <laughs> quarter and a half and you could just see I mean what it, they were in the right place but they could not catch the ball because it was cold and they weren't used to that and that's absolutely going to be the case in Pullman so it'd be interesting to see if we can adjust to that because I would assume that Washington State is more used to that they've been playing in cold they've been probably playing at night so they can get used to that um anyway it'll be interesting so the the lines 10 rob i thought that was a perfect line for this game i am inclined to take arizona and take those 10 points because i do think we'll be able to move the ball but i would like i have i have my little account with my bookie i'm not gonna i'm not gonna use any of my 100 percent bonus <laughs> which we'll talk about in a minute uh, <laughs> i'm not gonna use any of it on this game i just um Washington State is good. And if Arizona is even competitive in this game, I think Arizona fans take that to the bank and say, okay, all right, like we're building on the two wins. We're playing well. We'll be on the road. Let's say we lose by 10 or we lose by like 12 or 13 or something like that. I'm not pulling my hair out. I'm not flipping out on next week's podcast. But uh, give me Arizona. We'll see what happens. What do you think? So the model has this as Washington State with a 91% win probability. Oh, no. Oh, no. That's right. That's roughly about 18 and a half points. Like you can make an argument that I am willing to buy that Arizona's offense is still it is outperforming what the model expects right now because it has it still has a weight of early season data holding it down. But the flip side of that is I have only seen Arizona's offense be good against very bad defenses <laughs> these last couple of weeks um and washington state's defense isn't great so like i still expect arizona's uh offense to show up but i really don't think arizona like i think arizona's offense has to have a great game i also think arizona probably has to be plus two or three on turnovers um and the tough part of this is, is washington state actually has pretty good special teams this year and arizona just doesn't um just a, I, I give me like it sounds like a lot of points. I think when you think, but I think this Washington State team, as we saw last week with the, the utterly absurd line that they got at Colorado, I think Vegas is underselling this Washington State team. Um, I'll, I'll take the Kooks. Okay, yeah, and shouts to everybody that listened to the podcast last week because we jumped all over Washington State, and they <laughs> I had a laughing fit when I heard that line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Rick Powell may or may not have owed me a little money on that. I uh, and I gave him six points. I didn't even give him the four and a half. Uh, didn't matter. So, um, hey, let's talk about our sleazy bets. Before we do, though, want to give a uh, a shout out to my bookie, which has sponsored this podcast for four weeks now. We're really excited to partner with them. You know, watching football is fun, but it is more entertaining when you have some skin in the game and some action on these games, which we have been doing. And I've been talking about this for weeks, and some of our listeners have not jumped in, are still on the sidelines. Uh, 
if you're an expert like Ronnie or no, what am I saying? If you're if you're a rookie like Ronnie Stoffel or an expert like Rob Bowron, you should be betting at my bookie. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little bit to win a lot, like playing the numbers in roulette or something, you can create a sleazy big parlay. Pick three teams to win. If you hit all three, you can turn a hundred dollars into six hundred dollars. There is a ton to bet on. College football just start or college basketball just started. And if you would have taken Arizona today, you would have won. You would have won. Um, college basketball, college football, NBA, uh, NHL. We, they have custom props. You can bet on esports. <laughs> like, you name it, you can do it. Uh, my bookie is the one bet I know that you will be happy with all year. Um, I, rec- I recommend my bookie because we trust them. They have been in the business for years. They got great online reviews. Their mobile app is awesome. I actually took the Pepsi challenge with them and, uh, I, I had worked with that book before, but I kind of like restarted the party and, uh, they're excellent. Uh, so sign up this week and my bookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus, uh, to jumpstart your bankroll. It's a great way to, uh, to bank in some more money and kind of ease into the process if you're new to it, um, and get some more money when you win and by the way i've i did this so like uh may or may not have uh, won some sleazy money on the washington state game and so it puts it in your bonus if you win it just slides it right into your uh, account uh, also make sure to to follow at my bookie on twitter they personally respond to every mention and uh direct message not to mention they've given away more than ten thousand dollars in free money i wish i would have had that uh, for their followers this football season you will be the first to know as soon as the odds and props are posted which is really important for our podcast um, so don't miss out. This is one of the best weeks to bet on sports of the year. Log on to my bookie right now and use the promo code wildcat to get 50% deposit bonus. That's the promo code wildcat. You play, you win, you get paid. And speaking of getting paid, let's talk about our sleazy bets. Hey, um, can I get some pac 12 gambling advice up in here? Is William Shatner? You want it? Pac 12 gambling lines? You got it. Nice. All right, all right, we're back, we're back. Uh, thank you for listening to 12 Bag Radio and Wildcat Radio. This is a sleazy bet segment where we go through every game of this coming week and we'll go uh, in order of time and we will talk about the games that each team has played in the previous week to kind of give a little flavor before we give our breakdown of this week. And first, we have... At 12.30 p.m. on Saturday, USC versus UCLA. So let's get let's get into this dirty nonsense immediately. Um, USC, just what a what a rock fight against Cal. Um, JT Daniels looked awful. We had obviously talked about this a little bit in the, in the preview on 12-pack radio, but uh, let's get into it a little bit more. What did Cal do specifically to stay in this game? That defense is just, it's really good. And we've talked about it on this podcast for a while, but for some of our lo- new listeners, wh- why is that defense so good? And what is Wilcox doing with, I would say, not, not subpar talent, like these are Division One players, but when you take a look at, oh, I don't know, USC, <laughs> the talent that's on Cal, significantly uh, more underdogs than the five-star four star talent that was all over the field for SC. Yeah, so this Cal defense comes in ranked at number 11 in the country, which is phenomenal. I mean, it's one of two elite units in the Pac-12, the other which is Washington State's offense. Um, they're ranked number 26 at drive efficiency, so it's hard to drive the entire length of the field against this Cal defense. They will find a way to get, you know, out, you know, eventually um, they are excellent on play efficiency. So uh, rank number 12, they don't give a, a, a big yards per play number. They're number 11 
on explosive drive. So you are not going to get away with just putting up explosive plays on this team. Um, and they ranked number 19 on negative drive. So they forced quite a bit of three and outs. I mean, this defense, they do a lot of things really well. They tackle really well in space. Um, they, uh, and they put smart pressure. Like what you saw, I think against USC was that Cal, uh, was able to bring, bring pressure and bring pressure effectively. And from unexpected places, sometimes rushing inside linebackers. Um, and what you might think of as like, as our friend Max Brown, you know, has pointed out the green dog blitz, um, you know, or just sending somebody late, like Cal doesn't, Cal doesn't blitz all the time, but when they do, they really make it count. Um, I really like, uh, and they come in at number, they're, they're good against the run. They're number 17. They're number seven against the pass. Um, so this, this Cal team, like these are guys that Sonny Dykes recruited and everybody said that Sonny Dykes couldn't coach out defense at all. So, um, he still couldn't. <laughs> I, <don't think. laughs> yeah, I mean, I really, I really, I've actually personally met Sonny Dykes. He is one of the nicest people you will meet in all of college football. Um, he could not figure out the defense, and that's why he's not coaching at Cal anymore. Um, but yeah, this this defense is phenomenal. Um, just to see, and they they do they are highly disciplined. And one of the things that you don't see this Cal defense do also is they don't commit dumb penalties, um, and they don't. I mean, which is unusual for a very good defense because a lot of very good defenses have. And I don't think that I would say Cal's defense is nasty, but they don't headhunt. And you're not going to see this Cal defense get targeting penalties. And it's something that Wilcox himself has really talked about. Um, And it's something that really can I mean, if you give up 15 yards and get a player ejected like that can really come back to haunt you. And I think some programs have have found that out this year. Yeah. Speaking Um, of 15 yard penalties and getting ejected, uh, Iman Marshall, everyone. Holy goodness. Like that was so stupid. That was the stupidest penalty I have ever seen. You are you are up or I forget what they were probably losing at that. Yeah, I think they were losing to Cal. Yeah, they were to Cal at home shut your mouth and win the game like that. That's look. And I, I have a big mouth and that's why we have a podcast. (laughs) Like when you are losing, that's when you put your nose to the grindstone and just push. And like, what a stupid penalty. The one other thing I want to mention with this game was the call. So Justin Wilcox goes for it. on like fourth and two. And Rod Gilmore was even like, why aren't you going for it on fourth and two? And then they did like shout, shout to you, Rod Gilmore. I think he's actually heard all the criticism about him being too conservative. And it says like <laughs> over like, come on, let's do this. Y'all who wants to go to Mexico. Right. <laughs> Rod, Rod Gilmore is always like, always, always like you have to punt the ball here and play for field position. And, and finally when Rod Gilmore is like, no, <laughs> you know, it's important. Yeah, exactly. But they, the play before that, when uh, Cal, when Chase Garbers goes out and he he runs and he slides clearly past the first down yard or for past oh, the first yeah. down marker, and it goes to the Pac-12 review booth, which God knows it's probably like six hamsters running on a wheel or something, and they call that as he was down before the first down marker. That was ridiculous. It was clear as day that he was past that. And the fact that that went to the review booth, a, it was a terrible call. Um, B it went to the review booth and then they made another terrible call. I hope look, Cal won that game, but I hope that they petition the PAC 12 on that because that was inexcusable and it almost cost them a win. And that's a big difference for Cal. Like USC, you know, 
he's going to get fired regardless. I think, like you mentioned, USC is going to lose to to Notre Dame, and it's just going to be a mess. I think they're going to lose to UCLA. Like, not as big of a deal for them. If you're a Cal program that really played, that was as good as Cal was going to be with that disgusting, disgusting offense, and the officials and the review booth almost cost them the game, and that's just. When you have a track record of sucking so much at this as uh, referees and as a review booth, when you have your general counsel calling and saying, like, that ain't targeting y'all, like, mark it. I mean, th- and then you do something like this again. It's just, th- when does it stop? I just, it sucks. You don't have to answer the question, Rob, but I wanted to throw it out there because if you're a Cal fan, you were beating your head against the wall on that call. And fortunately, you had a coach like Wilcox that had the balls to go for it on fourth and whatever, and it worked out for them. But it, it could not have, and this game would have been completely different. I thought I thought it was inexplicable, their their spot, because it's where the ball is when he, his knee touches down. Um, and Garbers did not go down into like a full like baseball slide. Like he was, you know, a little more upright. So the ball was not sort of, you know, a full yard behind his legs or something like that. Yeah. Um, it was just a bad spot. And then to not overturn that, um, I just thought it was odd. Uh, and I, I mean, kudos to, to Wilcox for going for it. Um, and it was, it was also sucked because I had been it's like Garbers is pretty mobile. Um, and on, on some third downs, like they had not, they had been relying on Garbers throwing the ball in the second half, which I thought was always an odd choice given that he could probably pick up two yards on a draw or a designed run. And I'd been yelling for a designed run uh, on Twitter and then they do it and then they get the bad spot. And I was like, come on, like, just (laughs) let me have my moment. Let it work. Uh, Let me seem smart. Um, No, it was uh, kudos to Cal for for pulling this game out. I mean, uh, I think a lot of USC fans are uh, there was there was a chance that they really could have and should have maybe put up another touchdown at the end of that second half uh, when it looked like they had momentum and it looked like they had sort of figured out Cal's defense. I and I can say this like in as an Arizona fan, I first sort of became aware of this Cal defense last year with the adjustments that DeRoyter and Wilcox made in the second half against Arizona, which tight, helped tighten that game up in the second half nobody in the the conference does second half adjustments like Cal does. Um, And they came out and totally shut down this USA offense in the second half. So when USC had them sort of figured out and had their chance to do it, they, they did not, they were not able to, to, to put up points one more time and it really cost them. Yeah. Let's flip over to UCLA, which like you mentioned in our 12 pack radio intro had a pretty good outing against ASU. I mean, Wilton Spate had 335 yards, uh, two touchdowns. He did throw a pick, but that's, that's about all you could expect out of him. That's the best game he's going to give a UCLA offense. And shouts to him. Uh, Caleb Wilson had a good, a good, an excellent a huge game. game. 162 huge yards, game. two touchdowns. Holy goodness. And like, he is an excellent NFL type, uh, uh talent at, at the tight end. So it's nice to see a player like that on a team that's been struggling, put up those numbers. And ASU is fairly good. So I was really surprised. This was the second game that I got wrong. The other one was the Cal USC game. Cause I just thought USC would play a little bit better at home which they have uh, normally done uh but i mean like asu did what they needed to do i think Eno benjamin is legit like we had talked about halfway through the seasons like all right he's putting up good numbers but it's against oregon state it's against some of these other teams let's see what he does against some other teams now granted you know ucla isn't the 94 or 84 bears or whatever but 
Uh, the fact that Benjamin keeps doing this over and over again is quite impressive. He had about 182 yards or something like that. It was ridiculous. Um, what did you see in this game that stood out for you um, in terms of UCLA really rolling the ball forward, but ASU pulling it out in the end? I mean, I, I think that we, when you look at this game, like you can definitely say that Arizona State, like even though they were quite effective on offense, like they they started out a little slow, but like their defense in this game was just bad. I mean, so their offense comes out. I mean, they come out of this game ranked number fifteen in the country. A lot of that's still some carryover from that really great game they had against Utah's defense. Um, but the Arizona State's defense is down all the way to number seventy-eight right now. Um, you know, and UCLA's offense has has been hit or miss. Um, they've always they've, they've been a team thus far this season that puts up more yards than they do points. Um, they shoot themselves in the foot. They had a they had a huge game in at Oregon uh, that was mostly undone by just a couple of bad, really bad special teams errors. Um, and again, like not being able to put you know push points you know put points on the board when you put up some decent drives uh but they they did it again against arizona state and this this they're they're gonna give they're gonna give usc a run for their money i mean (laughs) i don't know that i would i don't know that i would take them to win but um yeah they they made this this asu uh, defense look silly i mean caleb wilson in particular made this asu defense look silly he was so open on so many drag and crossing routes just so often just going right over the middle of this defense they have a three and a half point cushion here ucla at home against usc i'm like i'm gonna take ucla i know this looks like a trap right but usc's offense just looks so so inept I like the fact that UCLA has started to put some good games together. I don't trust their defense for a lick, but I don't trust SC's offense to move the ball. They can't run it, and they may be able to against UCLA. Like Maybe they put up 150 yards or something, but JT Daniels, I just don't trust. I still think there are some players back there for UCLA in that secondary, and uh, I, I like this matchup for UCLA. I think they have something to prove. I think USC's team is down, and they know that they're down. Like the fact that you have Iman Marshall spitting, uh, just yelling and screaming to the sideline before the game was over. You had that weird fight on the sideline. I forget what the heck that was. And, and it was about the the defense was pissed at the offense for screwing up again. <laughs> well, good times. Never want that happening. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't want to be in that locker room right now if I'm an SC the SC team and like I don't know I, I just really like UCLA in this game just be this is more of a I don't trust SC further than I can throw them and the fact that Chip Kelly is starting to figure out what he has in this team so I don't know what does beta rank say about it so USC's got about a 70% chance to win the game in beta rank uh that's roughly uh about seven points like 6.95 points um so it does like the Trojans more in this game um, I, I mean, I'll, I, I think the Trojans are, a, are a touchdown better ish. I, I mean, if you had to trust a unit on the, you know, any of these units out there, you would definitely trust, uh, USC's defense, uh, over the, just about anybody else. But that being said, like UCLA's offense is mostly self-inflicted wounds. Um, they're definitely unlike USC's defense uh, offense, which, doesn't often put up yards or points <laughs> UCLA's <laughs> offense at least puts up yards um so it's you could 
you could easily talk me into, I mean, I'm, I'm very on the fence about this line. I'm very on the fence about this game. Um, you know, and, and one of these teams, like a lot of this, I think in this game in particular comes down to motivation. Um, and UCLA just doesn't feel like it's like, even though they're having a rough year, they've had and against a really hard schedule. They just haven't quit. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm still gonna I'm still gonna go with a model this late in the season, and and I'm gonna take USC. But I I may change my mind later and go with UCLA. <laughs> this is a really hard game of the week. Yeah, it's a funky game. So I know I just threw a dart at Amon Marshall. I want to say something nice about him because I'm sure he's a wonderful person. Uh, take a look at these stats of him at cornerback. So he gave up three yards to UNLV. He held JJ Arcega Whiteside to 23 yards. He held uh, Colin Johnson to eight to minus eight yards. He held Tay Martin to three yards, uh, three receptions, one yard. Sean Poindexter to 18 yards. Lavisca Chenault to one reception and eight yards. He gave up zero yards to Utah. He held Nikhil Harry to 28 yards and the entire Oregon State offense to 13 yards. I mean, that's I'm kid a little bit with that offense, but that is a nasty, nasty stat line on his end. Like he is clearly one of the elite corners in the country. And it's just frustrating because he's in a, a big moment. He's one of the leaders of that defense and he's running his mouth like against the Cal team. It's like, what are you doing, man? Like you are one of the best corners in the country. <laughs> like stop, yeah. stop. I would assume a freshman would do that or like Tim Huff at Arizona or just like somebody that doesn't really have the talent that, you know, that would go and, and yell. And of all the players that you would have, you know, here, here's a spread of all the players in USC. Who's going to make the boneheaded mistake. It would not have been Iman Marshall, but um, anyway, all right, let's move on. So we have coming up at 1 30 p.m. Oregon State at Washington. Let's not spend a ton of time on this. Washington is a 32 point favorite. Um, Holy moly! I know it's really bad. Obviously, <laughs> Oregon State got just got their head handed to them by Stanford. Um, I'm actually going to take Oregon State in the 32 points. I just think that they'll like that's way too many points. I don't want to spend too much time breaking this game down. Um, is there anything that you have to say about Oregon State or Washington? Washington had a bye last week, so it wasn't a ton to talk about. Uh, no, I just, I refuse to take Jake Browning with that many points. Yeah, my man, 32. Wait, so <laughs> oh what, does beta rank have this as like a 98 or whatever? Like, what yeah, it's like a 98.54, which is basically where I stopped the model because there's like 11 upsets in almost a thousand games at that point. So, um, it's like 20, it's a 29 point spread in the model. So, I mean, technically I am going with the model and taking the beavers here, but, um, yeah, I wouldn't. Jake Browning is is Washington is awful at covering this season in particular, <laughs> uh, and I just I I don't think Washington has good enough off- offensive play calling. And actually, I like the Beavers on offense a bit. Thirty two points, holy goodness! Um, all right, let's move on. Four thirty p.m. Stanford is a two point favorite on the road at Cal. Stanford again just beat the crap out of Oregon State. We just talked about the Cal UC, uh, USC game. I this I was surprised that the line was only two. Stanford can at least throw the ball. I know Cal has a good defense. I understand that. I know Stanford can't run the ball super well. But at the end of the day, the talent is there, and I don't trust Cal's offense. The one thing they have going for them, like you mentioned, is Chase Garbers can at least move around in the pocket and do some stuff. But is that going to be enough for a Stanford defense? And what does Beta Rank say about this matchup? Because I, that, of all the numbers, that one stood out the most for me. 
So what's been interesting is that Stanford's offense has sort of been holding steady in the 30s. <clears throat> Their defense has started to creep back up a little bit again, um, and they're at number 46. Stanford has excellent special teams. They're ranked number nine in special teams right now. Mm. Um, this is definitely a game that, like, there are going to be a lot of hidden yards. They're going to make a big difference, and I, I, I like Stanford in, in all hidden yard categories in this game. Um, so beta rank does not – <laughs> does not think this is a two-point game. <laughs> um, let me get over to it. So they've got uh, Stanford is a 76% win probability in this okay. game. Um, that translates, let me look here, roughly to about eight and a half points. Um, I'll take the Cardinal with that. I mean, that, I think this, is, this will be a tough matchup. Um, I think points can be at a premium uh, in this game, as we saw, but I mean, Cal's defense is very, very, very good, but Stanford's offense is not USC's offense. Um, you know, like they're, you know, Cal, the, I mean, they did shut down Washington's offense, but again, like I would, I would still take, I would take Stanford's offense over Washington's offense at this point. Wouldn't you? I mean, Oh, absolutely. It's, it right. is a rivalry game. That's the one thing to keep in mind, you know, crazy stuff happens at this point, but I don't like Memorial stadium stadium. I mean, like, does does Steely Dan have more of a crowd when they play there than like, <laughs> than like Cal versus Stanford? I just don't see that being a really crazy environment. One of the things about Stanford that impresses me is that um, they're going to do the th- well. I was going to actually that might be so they're going to do what they're going to do. That's also the reason that I criticize David Shaw. So. Um, it, <laughs> <laughs> I thought David. I thought we were screwed with that Oregon because I had taken. I thought I was screwed with Oregon State and Stanford because I had taken Stanford. And I thought, oh man, David Shaw's going to go full turtle early in the game, and he came out of his shell when Oregon State made it a little closer and put his foot back on the gas. Yeah, good for him for doing that. I guess at the end of the day, where do the points come from, Cal? Is it Garber's kind of running around and doing some stuff? Maybe that gets them fourteen points max, like. Uh, the running back, the guys, the guy's name excuse me, the Cal running back right now, Patrick Larry. Thank you. Yeah, like he only plays well when he's playing bad teams, and yeah. I, so I just don't think there's a running game. The passing game, like I still think there's some decent players on Stanford's secondary, and they got some big oh, guys. Oh, Debo's good. Yeah, and and they got a who's the the secondary coach? That guy's awesome. Dwayne Aquina. Yeah, Dwayne yeah. Aquina. Like, he's one of the best in the country. I don't know. Give me Stanford. I think they're going to put up enough points to be able to cover that spread. I, I It looks I mean, like – and you have the letdown game from Cal, right? They just beat SC yeah. on the road. They come back, and then they got to play Stanford. Like, I, I just don't see a scenario. If Cal had any kind of competent offense, like even mildly more competent, I could see taking them in this game. But, I mean, because you – we do, we know we've watched like if you can get pressure on Costello, he's a different quarterback. Um, but I, I, I think Cal probably turns the ball over two or three times. So that's that's it. Yeah, yeah, good times. Uh, all right, like moving on, we got seven thirty p.m. Arizona State at Oregon. So Rob, I'm in this um, this league. It's the Pac-12 Survivor Pool with a little skin in the game. And there's a decent amount of uh, money on the line. And I have Oregon <laughs> as my last pick of the Pac-12 oh, no. season against ASU. How nervous should I be? You should be nervous because the model does not agree with this. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, okay. What does the model say? Um, 
So the model has ASU as a favorite in this game. Um, it gives them about a 72% uh, win probability versus Oregon. Um, that is roughly... Sorry, my PC is bouncing around here. Um, about seven and a half points. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so ASU... I mean, so you only have to... Um, you know, you only you don't have to cover the spread, but ASU is a is a it's not like seventy two percent. Like I, I mean, I, I say like twenty things that happen twenty percent of the time, not unlikely. But Oregon probably needs ASU to turn like to be you know negative you know one or two on turnovers, um, probably closer to two on turnovers um, in order to win this game. I mean, Manny Wilkins and that offense are legit. Uh, and I, <laughs> I just, I really struggle with, I really struggle with this Oregon team. I mean, do you have, do you have any kind of faith in Oregon's secondary covering, uh, Arizona state's wide receivers? None, none whatsoever. Like that, that and, is going to be very bad. And Joshua Kelly had a pretty good game running the football against Oregon. Arizona had a very good game running the football against Oregon. What does ASU like to do? Run the, football, run, the football. run the football and then have Manny Wilkins pick you apart with big throws like whew. so here is my it's at Eugene I mean yeah it's at Eugene uh, so Oregon dropped 25 on a really good Utah defense which gives me a little bit more confidence um, yes I think Justin Herbert is like I know you have your reservations about him, but the fact that he can at least sling the ball a little bit, I guess my question is, can they put enough points up against an ASU defense, which I don't think is very good. What is, uh, what does beta rank have the defensive ASU ranked at? Uh, they came in at number 78. Um, the triple is for Oregon. Their offense is only at number 55. Yeah. Um, so some of this is that they have not been as effective at running the ball uh, as they were, but some of it's just Herbert's really struggled some of these games and his outside of that Stanford game, his completion percentages hasn't been that great. Um, and really outside of that Washington game, Oregon hasn't run the ball super effectively in a lot of games. So, um, it's sort of tough to, if you were going to come and then some of this is injuries on their offensive line, but if you were going to come to me outside of Dylan Mitchell in that, Utah game. I mean, did anyone have a good game for Oregon on that offense? I mean, he had a great game, but what did they even hang their hat on? I mean, I don't know. They can kind of rush the ball a bit, right? Like, I mean, I know, yeah. I know they're not great at it, but I don't. What's what's ASU's rush defense ranking? Uh, ooh, so they're number sixty-four against the run. They're number ninety-five against the pass. Oh, that's interesting. So if, if Schooler and company who, I mean, and if you're, I don't understand why everyone doesn't just double cover Dylan Mitchell. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so, absolutely. I mean, like, I mean, I, I Schooler's fine. He catches the ball most of the time when you throw it to him, but there's nobody else on this Oregon offense that's in any way intimidating catching the ball. Oh my gosh. I, it's, it just, so I had the option to take the money. Right, so like everybody gets eliminated <laughs> on Black on Black Saturday when Arizona beat Oregon and all that stuff happened. Uh, Oregon State beats Colorado, and I thought, oh, well, like you know, I got I should have listened to you because I'm like, oh, I still got Oregon, like that should be fine. And then 
two weeks later, like, ah, this is the worst. So, uh, uh, look, if the model, if the model has ASU that high, I mean, like really the only hope would be that Dylan Mitchell has a big game. Oregon figures out it's running, uh, offense because they're going to give up points against this ASU team and they win in a shootout and the game's like, you know, 45, 35 or something like that. I can definitely see that in Eugene. It'll probably, well, it won't be that cold. It'll be like around four thirty. So you're not going to have a desert team going into like the tundra of Eugene at four thirty in the afternoon, although it could get a little colder later, but I think a lot of things have to go fairly well for Oregon to cover a four point spread. So give me ASU, but what were you going to say? Let's just say, I mean, Oregon's got an interesting offensive split. So they rank number 78 running the ball. Um, They're number 33 passing. So, I mean, they do sort of fall into a little bit. Like, they they could make some hay against this ASU defense that is not as good at defending the pass um, as they are against the run. But, uh, I mean, I guess the question, I mean, Herbert really has to be able to, you know, get the ball out because ASU, you know, they change defensive coordinators, but they still bring some heat uh, coming into this game. So they're not a, they are not a good defense. Um, and I do expect Oregon to be able to put up some points. Um, but this, this ASU team also, they're a little, like they're a little sneaky. Like they, they, they are not a hurry up spread team. They, they re- reduce the number of possessions the teams have in the game. Uh, and so if you're Oregon, they have been a little profligate. Like they don't always put up points on their drives. Like you have to put up points, you know, on your drives against ASU because you're just not going to get a ton of drives. Um, and ASU generally is pretty efficient. So I don't know. Like I, I like ASU. I, I mean, I, I obviously like ASU in this game. I will happily take when you combine the spread against beta rank like 11 points 12 points so yeah i'll probably hedge this by taking asu straight up (laughs) just to try to make sure i win something here uh because there's a decent amount on the line that just really sucks uh so one more question about oregon's special teams are they any good no they've come back to earth they have moments and it's not that like i think that they have units that are good so their kick return unit is good um but their overall punting, um, you know, place kicking uh, units are not good. Um, and ASU, they do miss uh, Gonzalez, Saint Gonzalez, their excellent kicker from last year. But their special teams comes in at number fifty-nine. Um, Oregon's is at sixty-five. So I mean, it's not bad. They've they've been worse at different parts of the season. Uh, they had a pretty decent game against Utah, especially on kick returns um, that helped set up the offense. So that that is, in a way, like when Oregon has pulled off upsets or played better than expected so far this season. It has often been when they've had uh, some pretty good uh, play out of their kick return game uh, or some of their return game and been able to set up their offense with good field position. Okay. Uh, moving on, ESPN, 7.30 p.m. Arizona is a 10-point underdog. Going to the Palooza take on number 8 Washington State. If you are a uh, Wildcat Radio fan, we broke this game down at length, like 30 minutes. And actually, if you're a Pac-12 Uh, 12-pack radio fan, you want to learn more about that game. Rob and I went, really took a deep dive into the numbers of beta rank and all that stuff. I thought it was a pretty good conversation. So check that out in our Wildcat Radio podcast. With that said, 10 points is a lot. But, Rob, you had mentioned that uh, maybe beta rank thinks it should be a little bigger. It's a Washington State's got roughly a 91% win probability in this game. Um, That's 18 and a half points. Uh, I, I, I think that Vegas 
as we saw last week with Colorado, I think is underrating Washington State uh, a bit. And I, I just like this Washington State offense uh, with this game. And I, I think that they're, I don't, I, they're the number one passing offense in the country, uh, the number four overall uh, offense in beta rank. Uh, I think Arizona, which has sometimes struggled in coverage, is going to have a hard game. Yeah, it's interesting. It's a really bad matchup for Arizona, like you mentioned. Gardner Minshew is going to get the ball out. One of Arizona's strengths on defense, which I can't believe I'm saying this at this point, but it is now, is their rush defense. And uh, how many times is how many times do they rush the ball in this game? Like five, five to ten, like max. Right. It's going to put a ton of pressure on Arizona's secondary. Uh, and I don't think the the one. I think the biggest scenario for where Arizona wins this game is if they are able to keep up with Washington State and the defense gets a few turnovers or some big stops. Where uh, one thing to mention is Khalil Tate is likely 100% healthy after having a bye week. So one of the things he was able to do in the game against Colorado a couple times is run, and he looked pretty good. He didn't look like that hobble Tate that you've seen uh, in weeks prior. So and, and Washington State can can give up some yards on the ground. So you have. Uh, uh, oh my gosh! What's his name? <laughs> Pillar? No, the the Arizona running back. Oh, JJ Taylor. Yeah, give me one second. I always want to say JTT or something. <laughs> you have someone like J, uh, JJ Taylor that can rush the ball in addition to Tate, and like, how does a team prepare for Tate? It's hard when he's a hundred percent running all over the place. So that would be the one scenario where Arizona could keep up and go, you know, punch for punch and maybe pull it out in the end. But at the end of the day, you have a cold, cold Palouse and an Arizona team that isn't used to that cold. So another thing to keep, I'm actually going to take the points. I'll take the 10 and just know. So I have not had a losing week, I think uh, period this year, <laughs> but I have gone like one in five with Arizona. So, so take that with a grain of salt um, or one in 10 or however many times I've been on Arizona. Uh, but I'll take the points. I think that uh, having Khalil Tate back there, just changes up the way that Arizona can play. But um, I am not confident at this at all. And I totally realize that this is a difficult spot for Arizona to play in with Gardner Minshew and uh, two, six, four wide receivers and fast wide receivers on the inside. But Rob, who are you taking? Uh, I'm going to take Washington state here. I really, I, I think Washington, like barring three turnovers and Tate rushing 10 times for 120 yards. I just, I, I, I don't see it. All right. Moving on, the last game of the night at 1030. Utah is a seven-point favorite going into Boulder, Colorado against the Buffs. And obviously, we talked about the tailspin that Colorado is in right now. And Utah, the fact that they were able to put up points even with a new quarterback, which I thought was interesting. The other thing to keep in mind, we didn't mention this in the intro, Rob, on 12-Pack Radio, was that the spread didn't really change when uh, when it was uh, decided that Tyler Huntley wouldn't actually play in this game. So I think that shows how well Vegas thought of Utah's passing game. But uh, Utah saw what we saw last week, which was the fact that Utah can run the ball. And when they're running the ball and they're not turning the ball over from the quarterback position, this offense is going to be good enough to beat most solid teams. And I think that's the case again with Colorado. But what do you think? Yeah, I really I mean, I like Utah here. Um, I, I think the model is still going to, it takes a little while and I, I have that exponential decay built in to try to deal with injuries. Um, even this late in the season, at least a little effectively. Um, but Utah comes in with a, uh, 
just a 89%, 89.5% win probability in this game. I think that's a little high compared to um, what their uh, where their offense may actually be at this point, but um, that's like 17 points. Um, but I still think with, with the line that they have, like I like the Utes in this game. I, uh, I think their defense is very good. They have very good special teams. Um, and this Colorado defense is not good. And I they've been sort of like in a tailspin um, almost really since the UCLA game was maybe one of their last really good games. Um, I really think that this, uh, this Colorado team's in a lot of trouble. And I think Utah's going to be able to run the ball. And to be honest, like, we talked about this a bit earlier. Like, I'm not sure Colorado's like even into it that much. <laughs> I'm saying not into this football thing. It's I mean, good. like they're, they, <laughs> they look like a team that's ready for the season to be over. I mean, yeah. Which is fair. I mean, like that happens. It just does at some point. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, anything else we should talk about before we hang it up for this week? No, I don't. I mean, do we have anything to talk about Larry Scott or Pac-12 main office wise? Not really. Well, we talked about the the stupid calls from right. I think we covered that. We did. Okay. We did. Yeah. Um, oh, so I have uh, updated probabilities on uh, winning the South. Oh, okay. So. Uh, as it currently stands, ASU, uh, and I actually have different numbers than some other places, um, ASU actually has a 57% chance of uh, winning out uh, and therefore winning the South. <laughs> um, Utah, though, has the most of the rest of the chance there. So all Utah has to do is have uh, – they have to beat Colorado and then have ASU lose once, and Utah is your Pac-12 South champion. Um, so that is roughly – roughly 43%. Um, and that is all like, if you add those up, that's basically a hundred percent somewhere hiding in there is a point one, one percent shot. That is the university of Arizona wildcats yeah. uh, where, um, both ASU and Utah lose. Um, Utah has to lose to Colorado, uh, this week. Um, and ASU can either lose to Oregon. Um, well, then of course, like they would also have to lose to, to Arizona. So basically like they just have to lose to Arizona, but yeah, not, uh, ASU, uh, is still, I mean, sort of control, I mean, controls their own destiny. Um, and I think they've got a better shot against this Oregon team than people think. Um, and then the North, it's all, Regardless if Washington State loses this week, um, it's still all going to come down to that Washington uh, Washington State game, um, and that is uh, Washington State or currently has a sixty three percent win probability in that game. So uh, Washington has a basically a thirty seven percent chance to win the North. Right on. Uh, if you are looking to bet on the Pac twelve South, you could probably get better odds if you just take ASU straight up and roll it over. So if you bet ASU to beat Oregon, you're going to get more points than you put up and then roll it over to, to Arizona. So just keep that in mind. If you're looking at those numbers, Rob, thank you so much for joining us. We will catch everybody next week. Won't be off for the rest of the uh, season. We're talking about what to do for bowl season. Cause that's kind of fun. And I, I love bowl season. It's super, we'll definitely do a bowl pool. So keep in touch on that front. We'll announce how that works in a few weeks and we'll catch you next week.